Hello, everyone, and welcome to Convos from the Couch by Life Sands Health. I'm Nikki Lianza, and so excited to celebrate our Valentine's Day episode today with Chris Nemeth from our Columbus, Ohio office. He'll be answering some specific questions about relationships from our viewers and our listeners. So, Chris, to start off, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I've been in uh, kind of the area of wellness and mental health. Um, since the, the 90s. So it's been quite a journey and I've gotten in very interested in couples work and relationship work uh, pretty early on in my career doing some, some couples therapy in the early 2000s. Um, so I'm an LISWS, uh, licensed independent social worker uh, supervisor. And I had my own business. Uh, I've been at a lot of different agencies in town in central Ohio and I had my own company for 13 years and was um, acquired by Life Stance Health in June of 2021. Uh, I have been working and talking with Life Stance Health for some time. And um, just, I'm really excited about uh, the programs that we're, we've had at the, my previous business, but now with Life Stance, um, we're, we're gonna really, uh, we hope to even go national with some of these models. So uh, today, um, I'm going to go a little bit into the couples program. And since we're coming up on like Valentine's Day, uh, relationships, uh, marriage and partnership, very important to talk about. And uh, I'll kind of get into that. So that's a good jump into, tell me about the program you have there. Because I hear it's an excellent program. So tell us a little bit more about that program you have for couples. Yeah. And so again, Nikki, when you and I talked initially, um, there was, you could probably just see the excitement, right? And, uh, and you were, we were both excited talking about, you know, how to help folks and with partners and relationships. And I think that this program was initially developed, uh, the inspiration came out probably about 2001. And uh, I was working at a, a, a local agency and they wanted, they were having all these calls in for, for marriages and, and for partners of uh, relationships in general. And they just couldn't keep up with it. Now, one of the things we were hearing, which I read, I mean, I got right into the books and said, what do we need to do? Because um, even with, even Consumer Reports did a study on, on couples uh, relationship counseling, and it was the most um, critiqued and dissatisfied process in the 90s and in the 2000s, early 2000s. And I said, boy, it just seems like we're probably just not doing it the right way. There's something we got to look at. I was inspired by a uh, Dr. Mensky out of uh, Mesky, Dr. Mesky out of Wisconsin. Uh, I went to one of his trainings, and then I also just jumped right into um, John and Julie Gottman's work as well. So um, one of the things I was trained in previous to this uh, program development piece was family systems. Uh, in family therapy. And I was actually uh, under supervision, uh, video supervision, and uh, had several consultants oversee my work. And it was very helpful. So I took the family systems approach, said, let's, let's look at solution focused. Okay, so here it is. Uh, what we did, and we continue to do, is we uh, built a four week assessment model. Here's, here's what happens in couples, in relation, any relationship. And you know, we have this whole thing about, this is what I always talk about. It's like we had this 50% uh, 
divorce rate. And we have this, those are the relationships that actually get the marriage, right? Mm-hmm. So just, I mean, I don't want to be, uh, this is not uh, a podcast to talk about, to be pessimistic. This is, we have a lot of optimism about the future and what we can do with relationships. I hope life stands hell. I think our group can help get that rate changed a bit. Um, so, you know, the 50% is uh, partially because what I think was happening when I was reading in the 90s and the 2000s was we we're jumping right into the crises of the moment um, or the crises of the week. Sometimes we call them cows and we're jumping right into it. And then what ends up happening is the obviously the, the partners get frustrated with that process. And uh, I think that, um, and the counselors get frustrated with that process because mm-hmm. they're dealing with this crisis every week. So one of the things I've read and thought about was slow it down, okay? It's, if you think about relationships, they could be lifelong. Um, you know, partnerships, intimate partnerships could be lifelong. So why, they could be. Why would we get into a situation of having to fix it within a day or two when we could really kind of assess it. So we build an assessment model and that model is four weeks and we do some initial kind of orientation discussion. We do uh, two meetings of individual uh, and then we bring the, the couple back together. We blend, uh, we actually, there is a uh, assessment that we do that the couple can choose to do. It's out of the Gottman Institute. Um, they can choose to pay for that, which is, it's, I think it's a $30 fee right now to get a complete profile. Okay. That's one option, but we already have our own forms and our own assessment that we have built in along with our own couples inventory. And um, let me give you some examples of that. And we did base some of our um, inventory off Dr. Meske's uh, training and workbook that he hands out in this training. And so one of the things that we ask is what specifically caused pain and problems? What, what was the pain and problems in the relationship at the beginning? Or, or, or right now, actually, not at the beginning. We actually okay. do take a historical perspective, though, because we look, talk about what did you bring in? What did your partner bring in? And then we have this profile of the relationship house, which I'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'll cover that briefly. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the point there is that we get a really good picture when we're going into that. So in my first few years of doing the model up until, so it was 2009 up to 2013, we had most of our, uh, most of our couples went into the phase two, which I'm going to talk about. Okay. And out of those 85% hit their goal, 85%, probably, you know, it's, um, what ended up happening is we brought more clinicians on and grew this program. And here's the other cool thing about this. Like we wanted, we had people, this is not a typical thing at an agency. Really it isn't still, is we had clinicians saying, I want to be part of this program. I want to, I want to treat couples. They were asking for couples. And what we're seeing is, is like, there's a lot of need. I think a lot of the reasons people don't get help is because they're frustrated with getting in. So we have to work on growing this program, Mm -hmm. developing it and helping people get in pretty quickly so that they can get help for this. Um, just one, one last note that I'm going to make um, before I get into phase two. Uh, the profile and what we're looking at, and I'm just going to do a very brief summary on yeah. this, yeah. Um, is we're looking at uh, the relationship house from Gottman, uh, the Gottmans, 
And it starts with building love maps, which is really about knowing each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really about getting an understanding about does your partner know you and do you know your partner? And that's actually the foundation. If you think about the house, that's the foundation. Ah, from, mm-hmm. from there, we go to, uh, uh, shared fondness. It keeps it kind of going, like having fondness and admiration for the other person. Turning towards instead of away. So that is like when we get into disagreements, we uh, we try to work on, we problem solve. And so it's, that's actually about basic foundation point too. And think about it. It's also the life of the relationship. You start to get kind of, you start to form this relationship house. Uh, because the things that are kind of at the end may happen years into the relationship. Okay. So one of the things that's really important is the fourth part level of that house. And that's the positive perspective because negative sentiment override is the piece that um, is really detrimental to relationships. So it's every day of having memories that are negative about it. It just starts to like, I had another bad day. I had another bad day. So what ends up happening? And I see this, I've been doing, by the way, I probably forgot to mention that in my intro, I've been doing uh, relationship work uh, probably for over 20 years now. And, and I see this sometimes, you know, somebody sees their uh, person in the kitchen and they can't even look at them. I mean, it's like, you know, that's the negative sentiment override. And that carries with them throughout their day and their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, managing conflict is actually the next level. And sometimes people end their relationships. You can't manage conflict the right way. And, you know, it's like one of the things that the Gottmans talk about is that you don't want to have a relationship that, you know, somebody comes in, they're like, we never fight. Okay. And, and, and I, I think what they mean by that is, and I'm not saying like, I'm talking about conflict, right? Like when there's no conflict at all, those are the ones the relationship to worry about the most sometimes. I agree. So. Yeah, I think sometimes people think, oh, we don't fight at all. And, and almost maybe depicting it as like a positive thing. And it's, it's not. And it actually might show more of the cracks in that relationship within a, the couple might realize. Absolutely. So. Um, next level for this, and then, I'll, and then I'll finish with the relationship house, and we'll get quickly into solution focus, which is the next phase too, because mm-hmm. uh, it's an eight to 12 session model, and I'm only in, this is like up to four sessions, we're actually assessing this. Manage life dreams come true, or make life dreams come, come true uh, after managing conflict. So you basically, now you're hitting your goals in life, and you, it's like a together thing. And there's an individual too. Did I hit my individual goals? Was I a healthy individual? Because that's a very important point that I missed. Like we assess for healthy individual first. You know, sometimes you have to uh, make a referral to individual counseling or talk, talk about some interve- individual interventions, ways of coping and helping before mm-hmm. we can actually help the relationship. If there's some issues that are going on in the relationship, it is counterindicated to to go on in counseling and so some of those are if there's a serious uh, alcohol issue for example i'm just going to give one example on yeah. that but yeah. there is some they call counterindicated pieces that that you want to look for the last thing is creating shared meaning and this is kind of like a spiritual aspect like you get to the top of the house now you're looking at you know are we at a place and i see and i and actually i see some of this like this top level um i see it with uh sometimes what they call empty nesters you know it's like the kids are out of the house you went through the parenting thing and you you change so much as people now what are you going to do and are you going to be able to create that shared meaning so after we do that 
we get into um, what we have is solution-focused therapy, which is, this is a really cool thing about this. A lot of what we do is basically directed from our clients. They tell us, here's ways we can solve the problem. Okay. And, but we give them some things too. We give them resources. We give them a lot of ideas on how to make things uh, change. The other thing, one of the things we do is we'll put a pulse oximeter on their finger because anytime you go over 100 beats per minute, um, wow. you can't process information. You can't. And so what I, I'll actually try that trick at home sometimes say, I'm 100 beats per minute. I can't really process information. <laughs> so, but um, that's kind of the, uh, the thing that goes on. Uh, we, we, you know, we give those kind of tips and we put those in the solution scale, but here's the, here's the awesome thing about this model is that every seven days you can score improvement. Like you work wow. for one goal and you get a score every seven days. So you basically kind of report back, Hey, here's, look at your, your, you know, and I say this, like one of the things I'll say is like, Hey, you, you're at four or three, um, you know, and you stayed at four and three for three weeks. Let's look at your solution list that you came up with that you were going to prove things. Now, how, how much did you work on that list? Yeah. Now, life, life in you know, the United States is very busy. It's, it's all over the place. And you know, they, sometimes they call us the, the fast food culture. I think what happens is, is we get into a situation of not being able to um, do the work. Uh, and I, and I, I think people, I know people probably cringe when I'm talking about work and relationships because there's so much meaning and purpose and happiness that, hap that comes out of the relationship. But there is some, you know, you've got to put effort in. And mm -hmm. I think part of it is, is when they start to put efforts in, they start to see a progress. Now, I typically will see, usually within the third or fourth week, I see a, a big bounce in improvement where they're, you know, if they're, and we kind of anchor it so that it's, it's, you know, we're realistic. We're not going to say, if you started at a three, you think you're going to go to a 10 on this goal, it's probably going to be more a nine or eight. Are you able to do that work? And if they are, there's a lot of success. And the last thing I'll say about this program is, and because people, it's almost like, you know, there's certain uh, things you do in your life where you kind of cringe, like, oh, do I have to do that? And I, this thing, this couples piece becomes fun. Yeah. When you're this far along and you're like, you know, at a six or seven or eight on their goal sheet and they're doing all the things and they're having fun and they come in, those sessions are so much fun and there's laughter and humor and those things. So, so I, I know that's probably a long answer for your question, no, but I'm love finished. It. Yes. It sounds like an amazing program and you sound very proud of this program because it sounds like you get results. Couples go through this program and get results. And that's what's so amazing about it. So Chris, we'll make sure we provide some sort of link or something to make sure people know where to go to to check this program out. So thank you for sharing all that. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's jump into some of these questions that our listeners have provided for us. This first one right here, my boyfriend does not want to get married. We have dated for eight years. So what do you think about that one, Chris? How would you go ahead and give some guidance? All right, so I, I think on that is, this is, this is a common uh, issue, a common question that comes up, uh, maybe a presenting issue that you see right out the front end. Somebody puts it, calls in the intake and says, that's the issue. Um, I, so I wanna say on that is, it's, it's a new year, and I've just kind of went through this with uh, talking about other issues and like New Year's resolutions. And, and Nikki, I'm sure you kind of uh, have to work with folks on around this, too. It's like people really want resolutions. They want to have this idea that I'm going to stick to this one thing, but they don't really know how to do it. 
it really is about pattern change. So when you look at New Year's resolutions, you know, I really, I really say I don't really believe in that. I believe in, I think when in psychology and in my field, I think the area that we need really focus on is pattern change. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that you have a situation here uh, with the eight-year piece is this whole thing about the Gottman again, about knowing each other. Like, and, and the other part is the thing that we don't know, the questions we don't know is if this is like a, a healthy, happy relationship, but somebody has an ingredient in it that they're not willing to budge on, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's challenging. I mean, it could be that when somebody in the relationship has a worldview, that marriage, and, and there's a security piece, there's a legal piece to that. So I think there's all of that that plays out that it's, if it's so important for somebody, it could be what we call an ingredient that, you, that you're unwilling to budge from. And if it is that ingredient and some other ones that, for example, are like uh, ha- wanting to have a child and not having a child. And, and those ingredients can be so important that it's like, well, we can't we can't go on. And it, it actually, when we're in phase one of our program, we usually get to this kind of question. But mm-hmm. I think part of it, too, is uh, taking an optimistic view about this. You know, the relationship's going very well. And it's just this this piece, it, it really needs to be dialogue and discussion and turning towards instead of away, which again is a concept from the relationship house, is really kind of getting in there, talking to each other. You know, one of the things is going, well, what about the skills? I don't have the necessarily skills to do that. Sometimes you have to to um, you know, reach out and get some help. I will suggest, I'm gonna suggest over and over again, seven principles for uh, making a marriage work by the Gottmans. Uh, that's often that can all be on be a solution on the solution scale sometimes as well. It has so much rich information about skill sets, about things you can kind of look at. Mm-hmm. There's something called the four horsemen, which are like uh, approaches on what will just end a relationship immediately. And so what could happen with this particular relationship if it doesn't get resolved and talked about? And it is really about let's talk about it yeah. is contempt and that that's one of the four horsemen. And that could end the relationship. So, but let's take a positive perspective. Uh, I don't think ultimatums necessarily work. I don't. I think discussions work. I think having a relationship with somebody, you know, could there be some other components or challenges in the relationship where they're not able to have conversations? I I agree for sure. We'll come back to the questions here, but if someone was just going to Google Gottman method to to look it up more, is it just simply that just Googling Gottman method? Yeah, there's the Gottman Institute out of Seattle, and he actually has retreats on Orca Island. Uh, I've done some retreats myself. Um, I think they're fantastic events. You basically set up, you know, four hours of a day. It seems like a lot, you know, but you got, you basically, because, you know, it's pretty intensive. I got to be honest. I mean, you're Mm -hmm. you're basically talking. And uh, experiencing uh, the relationship for, you know, typically it's a five hour to eight hour day. And then you follow it up with another eight hour day. So, you know, the retreats are and the Gottmans have retreats that they have built in. That, that's their own program. Like I said, we, we utilize a lot of their uh, uh, a lot of our clinicians got trained in level one, level two. And so, you know, we, we utilize a lot of their resources and would point anybody that direction. Uh, but there's other ways you can get get the the work, the help. And I think the starting point, you're right, go to that, going to their website, seeing what they have as far as resources, as far as that book is concerned. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then seeking locally here at LifeStance with, you know, some of the resources we have as well. But definitely think there's a lot of options. For sure. 
right, let me throw another question here. Yeah. You. My boyfriend hasn't worked for two years. He is not motivated to look for work and spends my money like he is working. What do you think? So we get in this whole thing even too of like we're in like the assessment phase and then we're, we see it like, oh gosh, this is probably going to come up because, you know, finances causes a lot of arguments um, is a joint account um, is something that sometimes that that actually makes things a lot better because it's it's not about the money. It's about really about the relationship and what people are going to do role wise. Mm -hmm. We talk about putting folks in roles that they're going to enjoy and love, right? I think when you look at in, in, in kind of looking at what the research says, if somebody's happy with doing um, now, the one that I, I think we could bring up in every household is, you know, I don't think everybody likes to raise their hand for laundry, but, you know, there's different roles like finances and who's yep. going to do which role mm -hmm. and who's going to be good at it. I think, yeah. you know, that needs to be a discussion about the relationship and how it interweaves and how you have this kind of middle area that's connected, but you're, you're in your own individuals. Mm -hmm. The issue I have with this uh, is what I worry about for this uh, couple, this relationship, is contempt. Yeah. Is that eventually, if it, there's not some discussions about it, we get into some real contempt about it. And yeah. that's going to be problematic. I agree. Yeah. I agree for sure. This next question is along the lines of like, uh, a couple maybe disagreeing about having children. So my husband wants kids, but I'm just starting my career and I'm not ready yet. So how would you address that with a couple? Yeah, so it's it's similar to um, it's it's similar to kind of what we talked about about a budget that it, it's it, this is not somebody saying I'm not going to have kids. It's just a matter of uh, like what's important for that person. This is where there's an independence piece within a relationship. Mm -hmm. And and you know not a not a situation where there's too much overlap. So having the opportunity to say to have that conversation to say okay, um, I think being honest with each other, realistic, like you know it, here is where I kind of see this happening. I think what happens too, this is very uh, interesting, is that it's amazing for for not all of us, but some of us when we're 18, our brain just clicks and things just change. Mm -hmm. uh, and then again, we see something in 25. And then again, we see something at 30. Mm -hmm. uh, I think then you see something, I think then it kind of trickles into maybe 10 years out or something like that, where you see some changes, you know, so then it kind of like changes every 10 years. So I think, but there's some major changes that happen. And this is one of them where it's like, you know, we're, now we're at the kind of, we're at the career building, the marriage kind of place in life. Now we're talking about kids. One of us wants to have kids, somebody, the other person doesn't. Um, it can be a deal breaker to be quite honest with you, but this is not a question that I'm seeing is like this. I'm not saying no, I'm just saying not right now. So right. I think it's really about getting the tools and strategy to have conversations, getting some coping skills to regulate your body, the physiology piece of that. I know a lot of mindfulness stuff works mm -hmm. to be able to talk with one another about, okay, what are we really planning here and understand that in relationships, there's so much give and take. You can get a win-win in so many situations, mm -hmm. uh, but it's give and take. Yeah, I agree. What are some tips to having a difficult conversation with your partner? So um, I think, you know, it's, it goes into like body language and have an open body language instead of closed. I mean, if you're like this or you're, and I see this so many times, this is something we actually, we actually create in, a, in the assessment process. We get chairs across from one another 
And I know virtually, virtually it's actually not so, not so difficult. What we actually do, because they're seeing each other on the screen. So what you do is just sometimes you'll have to get them to move back a little bit so you can see their body language. But when you see this kind of closed body language, these kind of things like skill sets are some things you're going to work on. One of the things you're going to educate uh, on this um, is the four horsemen. Uh, and it's even, he, I think the Gottmans call it, wow, they call it, uh, I've got the sheet out here in front of me, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay, right? It's, so, but it truly is because it's, it's the end of the relationship. Yeah. So stonewalling. Yeah defensiveness, criticism, and contempt. Yeah. So those are the four areas. And I think that, um, you know, the skill sets, the deep breathing, the mindfulness you can put in there, kind of what we talked about with some of the other questions. And then what I typically would do is, um, if it's too, uh, like, it's a power struggle and it's too challenging, mm. you go back to, and this is going to be, as we talk about relationships and kind of the phases and development of them, Maybe bring back something from the beginning. Like, let's go and do a fun activity together. I can tell you, I, I usually have, um, you know, do the skill sets, learn some different ways of communicating with one another. But, you know, I, I typically, even the couples that have gone through the most difficult, like, oh my gosh, like there's this whole thing about benefit for exercise versus uh, major treatment or major like surgery. And, couple, and sometimes I get the major surgery folks and they're like, oh, like we're in the early phases. And then they go on vacation. And it's like, and I, I'm sure like you probably have seen this, right? I mean, then you see all of a sudden, like they're just all of a sudden like, wow, we actually kind of like each other. A little yeah. Bit, and we thought we did. And so what you need to do sometimes is slow down, do something fun and enjoyable, get back to the relationship and then get into the feedback. So that's kind of, um, that's kind of what we were looking at. Um, in one of the books that's really popular right now, uh, especially with leadership is Radical Candor. And it talks about how it's so important for you to go into relationship building before you get into feedback. That relationship building needs to be in, intact. You can't just go give, you can't just jump on with feedback. And it's the same thing with a relationship. I agree. And, and actually, there's a follow up to this question is how to avoid a discussion turning into an argument. But I think if you're following along with what you're saying here, that will be the thing that prevents it to going into an argument. Would there be anything you want to add to that? Yeah, it's a, so there's a there's oh there's a couple things that I want to add yeah. to that actually. So there's a harsh startup, which is like a concept where you go from zero to ten in a heartbeat, um, where uh, the, it gets into an argument because somebody is there. And, the, and remember what I talked about that uh, I, I should probably stop joking about that because I do. You, we just got the pulse oximeter back out, um, and so I shouldn't be like saying you know, over 100 beats per minute. Uh, it's it's kind of funny because because I think we we joke we have talked about it at the office too. It's so true that you cannot process when you're too highly yeah. elevated. So the physiology mm -hmm. needs to kind of calm down. So right. harsh startup is is a, a deal breaker sometimes for relationships because somebody can't get it under control pretty easily. But here's the other concept that I wanted to talk about, which is core beliefs. Um, and so I am alone. I am helpless. I am worthless. I'm unlovable. Uh, you know, and I'm alone. So one of the things that comes up with these core beliefs is this is where I think, and Beatty has all this work out there with like drug and alcohol, but the idea of that the core beliefs, um, they basically is a true codependent relationship. So somebody believes I'm alone and somebody believes that uh, I am, I'm unlovable. 
So mm -hmm. this is the, the classic thing of somebody being in their kind of like uh, their their cave or whatever, their their spot downstairs. And right, the person right. reaching out and say, hey, do you want to go out to dinner? And it's like, no, 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 I got this game on or whatever. We're not going out anywhere. So that person feels rejected. The person um, that is kind of being believing they're alone, they continue to do that. So when I, when I'm, why I bring that up is because when in arguments is that we think we're right as humans, we always, we, the belief is that we're, that we're absolutely right. Uh, underneath things, it's power kind of built. Yeah. So what ends up happening is you have, um, we repeat the negative belief that we, our negative belief and behaviors off of that belief are repeated. So you basically, um, the codependency thing is it just, you know, you just continue on with the patterns. I'm alone. I'm unlovable. Okay. Um, you know, three reasons why people get together. The first one's attraction. The second one is similarities, not opposite, actually. But the third one is the one that's the tricky one. And this is where it causes problems and arguments is that we come in with core beliefs and those core beliefs drive how we interact with our partner. To a degree that that's what is is causing some problems with uh, ongoing arguments. Those core beliefs, even on an individual level, is what drives a person individually, and of course, that's yes. going to drive the couple as well. I agree. Absolutely. This next question, I think, is a big yeah. question for a lot of people: is can you fall back in love with your partner? So this, um, I, I'm going to get excited about this question because. Um, it's one that comes up. It's it's one that comes up using an assessment phase. And then I usually get, uh, and I got to tell you, when I started the program in 2000, I was like, I don't really know, right? I don't know how this is going to go. And then you start seeing, like, we felt like we did, not totally, but a little bit at beginning, we're part of the relationship, which is kind of like the honeymoon phase or that for everybody. It's, it's the first six months. There's a little superficial, there's an attraction that goes yeah. on, similarities piece. But mm -hmm. when's it, what ends up happening is you have this, um, feel, people saying they fall out of love. So the development of a relationship really has to go into um, a piece where you make it through this kind of uh, microscope piece about the uh, one year, two year mark. And if you make it through that mark, you know, the friendship, if, you know, I love um, when Harry met Sally. And at the end, they have those couples coming together, talking about how they're friends. And that's really what it was about. It's yeah. a friendship. Yeah. So if the relationship is, is got that friendship component in that, and I know a lot of people don't think that's romantic or anything like that. When you say, you know, my partner's one of my best friends, you know, the reality of it is that's what the core that keeps it together. Yeah. Now, splash that romance in. So yeah. I think a lot of it's like going into like meaning a purpose kind of thing, things that bring people close together things that bring, you know, intimacy, those are all areas that are going to help a relationship and get back into somebody saying, guess what? I think I fell back in love. Great. Oh, great answer too. Now this is kind of jumping to the other part here. Like how do you recover from trauma infidelity? How does a couple get beyond an infidelity? Okay. So there's different, this is not a, I would say in the, in the literature and the research, the evidence-based research out there, I wouldn't say this is strong right now as far as like we have the answer. This is what we're going to do. But I can tell you some common factors, okay. some things you want to put in your couple's work that's going to help with things getting better. You know, if they decide to stay together, which sometimes it's a it's a no, a no on that. By the way, uh, if you're in a in the assessment phase, um, if there is a 
in a fair going on, one of the things you have to do is really talk about um, not necessarily going on uh, unless unless the partnership is severed with the person that they're connected with. So if they're like, we're going to focus on the relationship, you know, we agree to that. I know there's different types and culturally there's different types of relationships. So this, I'm talking, we're like, if, if somebody wants to have a, a long-term partnership or marriage, um, that's kind of what we're looking at. So um, what we find, and when we don't do that, and somebody continues on with the relationship, it, nine times out of 10, a, the, the process of, of couples work fails. So you want to talk about the safety piece of it. Like, how do we make sure that this is not going to happen again? So that's step one. Your other steps are letting the person that was hurt, um, you know, let the pain out. And so there's something called flooding, which is kind of problematic when the partner just floods on them problem after problem. But in this process, we allow that a little bit more where we allow a little bit of that. I'm going to express my feelings, my, my anger. And it comes out like once a, maybe uh, a month down the road, six months down the road, it will pop out a year. Even if we do a lot of good treatment, you'll still see it come out. So you have to kind of create an, an avenue to do that. Now, one of the things that comes up is um, sometimes one partner wants to hear all the details. That could cause more trauma. I think you have to be careful about that. You have to assess that to see if that's going to be helpful. Um, the other part would be um, once we get into that plan, and this is the tough part because it's like, are you taking like the side that that was an okay thing? I don't say that when somebody breaks trust like that, I never say it's an okay thing. But one of the things I look at is like, what are the elements that created like why did this relationship break apart you know uh the relationship lost its life and so somebody decided to move outside of it and it's not uncommon and it's by the way this is not just a question about trauma infidelity but a question of you know is this person you know married to their to their work or married to their um you know whatever they're doing kind of outside force that's hurting the relationship gotcha yeah, one last question here. What do you do when your partner doesn't listen to you? Um, so the one, the one answer for that that I see a lot, and in, in, mostly it's, it's men who do it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to point fingers here, but it, a lot of the, the, the guys will stonewall. That they said in the research they did is that 80% uh, came up the, the recipient, the individuals in the study were, were men. Um, so stonewalling it. So that's there, there seems to be some differences here. Um, so it's, it's definitely something that could, it's one of the four horsemen. So, you know, I think there's, I think when you see some acting out in the relationship, sometimes it's because there's some stonewalling going on. Like I can't get through to this person. So it kind of goes back to some of our early questions, like you skill sets, like having those conversations, you know, I think that I think I think for a lot of uh, and I, I'm picking on on men here, but a lot of a lot of guys don't want to talk. And I think the way to get through this is to actually have a conversation, make it productive, um, have some strategy behind it. But really, um, it's about caring and then getting into the conversation about about listening. And the other thing is listening to understand. And then, you know, so really hearing what somebody has to say and then like getting it like there's so there's so many there's a form of stonewalling where it's like, yes, the person listens, but they're just like placating. They're just like, okay, 
all right, I got that. That's, that's, it can be even more frustrating. So I definitely think it's something that, that can cause some real issues. And there are some skill sets to help with that, which is kind of the things we talked about, figure out a way to get a path to discussion. Good, good. Well, thank you for answering all those questions from our listeners. For sure. Those are excellent questions too. Are there key takeaways you'd like to leave us with today? Yeah, I think I keep the questions coming. Um, I think at ah. Life Stance Health, we want to really make sure that we're receiving. We want to know what's out there. What are people yep. experiencing? We're in a pandemic. Um, love to hear more questions. Keep them coming. And I want to say this, as we get into Valentine's Day, um, I really believe this whole thing about the 50%, it's like it's always been that way. Uh, it, it's always been that way in our culture or society. If you look at other uh, cultures as well outside of the United States, relationships are, are challenging. There's not a uh, in high school, we're not getting some. Some are actually moving into this, but you don't get a book on relationships. You don't have that as part of your existence. Mm-hmm. So I think you know my where I feel, and this is where I think I love the fact it's life stance. We're getting out there and looking on a national perspective. Let's try to get that fifty percent rate. Uh, let's let's improve this. Yes, great. Oh, I agree. Great. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for all your knowledge. And I definitely look forward to having you on again to answer more questions about relationships. So, and I do hope you have a great Valentine's Day yourself. Always fun, Nikki. Thank you so much. You're welcome.